Welcome to Builder Funnel Radio. If you are a builder, remodeler, or contractor, this is your go-to resource for business growth strategies, as well as marketing and sales tactics. On this show, you'll hear from industry leaders, construction professionals in the trenches, and from our team of digital marketing experts here at Builder Funnel. If you're not growing, you're moving backward. So we want you to always be in growth mode. Let's get started. Hey, welcome to Builder Funnel Radio. This is episode 59 with Chris Hartley. I think you're going to love this episode. I know I really enjoyed it. Chris is a great guy. He's super upbeat and positive, and he's very, very knowledgeable. So um, he's a previous 40 under 40 winner, and we talk about kind of, we run the gamut. We really talk about technology and sales and marketing to kick off the podcast, and we dive into a couple of things that maybe not all of you are utilizing and a couple of very uh, tactical things that you can use. And then we also talk about culture and personal branding. And those were really fun discussions. Um, Chris has done some very strategic things in terms of his personal brand. He kind of shares how you can leverage your personal brand and how that ties into the company brand. And then also some of his, um, I guess, his overall strategy and approach when he thinks about culture. And that was really eye-opening and, and really powerful, I thought. So um, I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. I know I did personally. So sit back and relax. Enjoy episode 59 with Chris Hartley. Hey, Chris, glad to have you on the show today. Oh, I appreciate you having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, I feel like it's uh, it's about time. You know, we've uh, been bumping into each other online a whole bunch. And uh, yeah, I've been seeing your your face everywhere. And I feel like there's a lot of listeners that probably know you, but Maybe for those that don't, you know, can you just share a little bit of your story, kind of how you got into the building industry and and then what you're doing today? Sure. Yeah. And the same with you. I mean, I've been seeing you everywhere. And that's one of the greatest things about this industry is, you know, you see the same faces consistently and, you know, it's always good to, to bump into somebody or somebody always knows somebody, right? Totally. Yeah. But, but in regards to how I got in this business, I've been doing this since 2003, it's really the only thing I know how to do and how I got into this industry is I graduated in May 2003 from the University of Kansas. I have a younger sister that is a year younger than myself and I was actually out of school and already working. I was working in the luxury car business. Um, not many people know that. I'm a finance <laughs> manager, which is kind of funny. Um, you know, I had nothing to do with sales itself and my sister who her and I are extremely close. She was telling my dad at dinner one night that there was a company called Pulte Homes uh, that was going around handing out $100,000 bills at the career fair. And I was like, $100,000 bills, what are you talking about? Uh, and she said, no, it's, it's a, he was the VP of sales at the time was handing out $100,000 bills with the Pulte logo in the middle and said, if you come be a salesperson for me, I guarantee you, you'll make this within a year. Now, somebody who graduated with a journalism degree. And I think I was making $32,000 at the time. And I had like $36,000 in debt already. I was like, what do you mean you can make $100,000 the first year? So I went ahead and went to that career fair. And uh, my sister told me, look, if you get this job over me, I'm not speaking to you ever again. <laughs> and it turns out that I got the job over her and she didn't speak to me for some time. And then she ended up uh, getting a job with Pulte Homes as well, but in Dallas, Texas. And, and our careers have really just 
matched each other, you know, place to place. I went to Ashton Woods in 2007. She went to Ashton Woods in 2007 and she's still there. So uh, it's a lot of fun having a sibling and, and somebody as close as my sister still in the industry with me too, because we can talk about a lot of things and, and just keep, keep up to date. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, never would have guessed that. Yeah. Yeah. She, she's definitely the, she's the smarter one in the family for sure. <laughs> but in regards to what I'm doing now, I mean, my, the career path since 2003 has taken me a lot of different directions. So uh, I've sold homes. Uh, I've been managing salespeople really since 2005. Um, my dad has this saying, pay now or pay later. And so it was always one of those things that you work really hard at a young age, hopefully to retire very well. And so he always instilled the work ethic in my sister and I that let's go ahead and get where we want to get in life quick. And so I was very fortunate that I had the opportunity to, to manage or start managing only two years into the business and really kind of taking it, taking it there since. So I've done on-site sales. I've been a selling sales manager. I've been a general sales manager, I've been a VP of sales. I've been a VP of operations. Uh, and then back to a VP of sales and marketing. So kind of done it all, everything except VP of construction. And <laughs> I, I'm not, uh, I, you're not going to see me swinging a hammer. So that one's not going to happen, but maybe someday on the president side. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. That's super cool. And I know when you and I, uh, talked a, a few weeks ago, we were kind of talking about, um, sales and marketing and how they typically kind of butt heads and you've been obviously in a lot of different sales roles over the the course of your career and so I'm sure you've interacted with people in more marketing roles and so I guess why is it so important that sales actually work with marketing versus just saying hey we're not getting enough leads or these leads are dumb, <laughs> or you know and uh, kind of that t traditional, you know, uh, sales lingo to marketing and then marketing is always back at you like, well, just close the deal, you know? <laughs> what do you I mean, mean? It's a, it, it acts like you've actually been, you must have already been in my office in my sales meetings to hear <laughs> Yeah, I sent banter. up those a little while ago. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is. So I went to a training one time with uh, Myers Barnes and Myers Barnes made a statement that really hit me, you know, smacked me in the face. And he said that he thought the title of vice president of sales and marketing was a joke because he said that there's no way in the world that somebody could be extremely valuable or good at both of them at the same time. Hmm. And he, he, he believed that with one exception that was with Matt Riley and Matt Riley um, is now with group two advertising, but he did uh, do Royal Oaks homes that didn't get bought by Mattamy homes. And Matt Riley has been a huge influence in my career because he's really helped me get to where I'm at. Um, but when he made that comment, somebody that was at the age 31, when I got the title of vice president of sales and marketing, it was, it was an ego thing for me when I was younger, right? I'm 39. Now you can call me whatever you want. I don't really care. Uh, but back then, I was like, no way. I worked really hard to get the title of both sales and marketing. Then when he said that, I got to thinking about it, and, and he was absolutely correct. The fact that I still have that title today, don't get me wrong, I'll take it. Um, but I have a marketing team that's literally with me every step of the way, and those two girls are the driving forces behind the marketing. Because marketing today, as you know, is so much more advanced than it's ever been. Uh, and sales is so much more advanced than it's ever been. So they truly are two different departments. Now, I think why the title still exists for, for both titles at once or both job opportunities at once is because you can't have one without the other. You, you honestly cannot sell homes without marketing. And if you don't have something to sell, you have nothing to market. Um, you know, I kind of put it in, in the sense of if you're a scuba diver, 
you know, the scuba diver itself is the salesperson, but you can't get very far in the ocean without your life support, which is marketing and, and vice versa, right? You can't just drop the life support in there without a diver. You're not going to get anywhere. So if they're not working hand in hand, there's, you're getting nowhere, but it is every single meeting, every single day. It's if the dang marketing team would just get any qualified leads and then the marketing team saying, if the dang salespeople would just you know, follow up or handle the leads the way that they're supposed to, we're showing that we're giving them. I don't, I don't think I, it matters how good your organization is. I think those two will always banter with each other in that way. It just happens to be my job that I, you know, I have to babysit the two to make sure that they just don't beat each other to death. Sure, sure. <laughs> so I guess uh, let's get a little more specific. You know, what does it actually look like to work together? I know you're still going to have the banter and you're going to have, you know, some of that, but um, you know, how does it actually play out on a week to week, month to month basis, you know, saying, Hey, we're all working towards the same goal, which is revenue. You know, yeah. and I, I always like thinking of it as a revenue team and you're, and you're all, you know, together, but uh, obviously everyone's kind of in their roles and they want to feel like they're doing a good job. And so it's, it's nice to be able to point the finger, but you know, how does, what does it look like? Yeah. So, and I think part of the finger pointing too, in reality is the marketing team sees how much money you can make in sales. And so they're constantly like, they make so much money. Why don't they just do what they're supposed to? What I think in general, not just marketing, but the entire organization needs to look at that being a salesperson, although you can make a lot of money, it's not an easy job. Now it's not a difficult job, but it's a very stressful job because you are 100% commission, mm-hmm. right? sacrificing your holidays and your weekends. And there's a lot of sacrifice that goes to that money, but there, there's generally sometimes where the, the frustration gets to is the marketing team throws it back and says, well, they make so much money. They should be required to do this. Um, you know, in, in regards to what does marketing do and what does sales do, prime example. So my company used to be Dunhill Homes and Nathan Carla Homes, and we were the seventh fastest growing privately held company in all of Dallas Fort Worth, not just home builder, but company in general. So we wow. were at an extremely rapid pace. Yeah. Uh, because of that rapid pace, we actually got acquired through a merger and acquisition of the TriPoint Group in December of 2018. So you look at the division or department that was affected the most with the, with the acquisition and it would be sales and marketing. Because if you think about it this way, the marketing is everything. So the TriPoint group came into Dallas Fort Worth and they're like, you guys have your logo on everything you can think of from the back of your laptops to your mouse pads to the toilet paper holders. I mean, you name it, we were branding our organization because we were a small private level home builder in the fiercest market in the United States, we had to get brand recognition. So the marketing team was tasked from the time that we got acquired in December to having the entire place look like Dunhill and Nathan Carlisle never existed to be maker homes by the end of January. In six weeks, and the cost, I mean, yeah, there's a cost associated when you make a change like that. It's For sure several hundred thousand dollars to to basically eliminate a brand and come up with a, a new one or a, a incorporate that. But that was task number one is that the marketing team went in and they reskinned the website. They went and they changed um, Zillow, BDX, you know, realtor.com, you name it, MLS, mouse pads, everything they can possibly think of changed for the marketing team, along with now having a very high powered home builder behind you that they're having to deal with 
legal teams as well and making sure everything is in compliance because once you are a larger home builder, you have a larger target on your back too, right? Not many people are coming after the small guy, but everybody comes after the big guy. So making sure that everything is in tune. Now for the sales team, what that means is, you know, they're selling the same homes. It just has a different logo on the top of the floor plan slate. Sure. The same model, it just has a different awning out front. But where it really changes is having the marketing team truly explain to the sales team what these changes mean and what we do. Because I do think that salespeople in general think that the only thing marketing people do is make flyers and update the website. Yeah. That's the only thing they think. They don't understand that marketing today, you might as well have a computer engineering degree, in my opinion, because you're you're behind the scenes and you're analyzing everything. You're basically a data mining company that is trying to figure out who the perfect avatar is to buying your home, and then they're trying to market to it. It's not as easy as what salespeople think. I think I think it takes it for granted for sure. Yeah, which goes back to your original point, which is both roles are very different, you know, and to, mm-hmm. to excel at that role, typically a certain personality type or style or what or skill set, and you know, to be able to do both, you know, super, super unique or very difficult. And yeah. Um, so yeah, that makes sense. And you kind of started to talk about some of the, you know, the websites and you know, technology is something that comes up today. Uh, both in the marketing world and also in the sales world. So I guess, um, you know, what technology are you guys using and what what do you feel like is uh, kind of table stakes today? What do you just absolutely have to have? Sure. Well, you know, technology is one of my favorite things to talk about. And we took a great amount of pride in the fact that when we were Dunhill and Nathan Carlisle, and let me explain that real quick. Dunhill was a traditional side. Nathan Carlisle was our active adult side. So we had different brands, two different websites. Sure. I was one of the original employees for Dunhill and Nathan Carlisle Homes. In the seven and a half years that we were in existence before we sold, we built four new websites from scratch. So you look at that and you're thinking, wow, you're, you're changing websites, you know, on average every two and a half to three years. And I would actually say we probably weren't doing it enough. And that is because technology changes so much that you need to be on top of everything. And when I say that, you know, what's the most important marketing tool you have, it is your website. So when I do public speaking, I I oftentimes ask the audience because it generally is speaking to home builders that are smaller in size, 200 units or less. And I say, how many people in this room here have a website that's older than two years old? And I would say 90% of the people raise their hand. Okay. If, if that's the case, your website is out of date. It's not gathering the best information that you can. If you're in a market that's competing against the big national home builders, you're getting slaughtered. I guarantee it. So, you know, then I asked the question, how many of you here wouldn't think twice about building a $500,000 model home to sell 12 homes a year? Every single one of them raised their hand. They're like, yeah, that's a no brainer. And I'm like, well, then why aren't you spending, you know, $80,000? And when I say $80,000, you can get a top-notch, phenomenal website that can do everything you needed to do for 80000 And in reality, you can get a really solid one for forty forty-five. dollars um, So the fact that they're willing to spend $500,000 on a model and not willing to spend, in my opinion, what is the model home of technology, your website, uh, it's, it's really a shame. Yeah, you're going to get a lot more foot traffic through your website than your model home. <laughs> So much more, so much more. You know, we, we worked with Builder Designs. We worked with O'Neill Interactive. We worked with a, a couple of them. And there's a lot of them out there that know what they're doing that do a really great job. 
Um, the one that we're doing now, we're on the corporate platform now. It's a WordPress version, right? So there's different ways of doing things. But the most important thing about your website is that it needs to make sure that it is gathering the data uh, to be able to tell you what's working and what's not. And then not only gather the data, but do you have somebody in your back office that actually understands the data? Yeah. Um, that's when you say data, just for our listeners, what kinds of data are you talking about? Sure. So we're looking at uh, organic traffic. We're looking at paid traffic. We're looking at bounce rates. You know, bounce rates, one of those things that you kind of have to be careful not to spend too much time on because um, it depends on where it's bouncing. Um, we're looking at buyer demographics. We're looking at time spent on website. We're tracking uh, movement with the mouse pad. We're doing mystery shop recordings. I mean, we're doing all of it. Heat maps on the site to see where eyes are going to pay attention to where we need to click. How easy is your website to use? And, it, and that's another thing. If you're not setting up a uh, recording to mystery shopper to shop your website, to ask random strangers, and this doesn't cost a lot to do, ask them a series of questions to get on your website. It gets recorded. Okay, how to you know, get to a quick move in home in this community? How easy was it to do? And they're going to attempt to get on that. How many clicks does it take? Was it easy? Right. Because what happens to us in the home building world is we're so used to navigating our own stuff. Mm -hmm. Easy for us, but it may not be easy to the average stranger on the street who may find your website extremely complicated to use. So if something's complicated to use, you're going to jump off of it and not use it. So I would say number one technology is your website. Um, number two, there's actually two things that I'm extremely passionate about that I just think completely game changers for the industry. Um, one of them is uh, unassisted entry into your homes. And then we do this with a uh, program called InterNow, and it's N-T-E-R-N-O-W. And what it is, is it's a lockbox that goes on a completed inventory home. We don't put them on our model homes, but they go on our completed inventory homes. A prospect drives by the home and sees a sign in the front yard that says, why wait, InterNow? There's a phone number that they can call or an app that they can download. They either call or they get the app. You scan your driver's license so it has your information and it gives you a unique code to get into the home. The minute you're getting into that home, the code changes. Now, we've been doing this for three years. I have over 50 of these locks and I'm so addicted to this technology because I'm addicted to Amazon, just like probably yeah. most people out there. I mean, I'm, I probably buy stuff on Amazon daily I don't know the last time I've been to certain stores because I just go on online and with, you know, my thumb or my face, I'm buying it. Right. And so when you're shopping for a home, how many times have you ever driven up to a completed inventory home and you're like, uh, Hey honey, get out of the car and see if you can get to get inside that home. They run up to the front door, they go try to get in and it's locked. Are you going to the sales office to talk to the salesperson? Most of the time, not because people yeah. like salespeople. I'm a salesperson. People don't like salespeople, right? So they want to do things on their own time, their own terms. So inner now allows them to get into the home, hang out in the home however long they want. The most beautiful thing is, is the VP of sales or a sales manager or a salesperson or our online salespeople, they immediately get a text message notification with that prospect's information and they know who it is. Now, people are like, okay, well, do I tell my sales team to hurry up and run down there and go meet the people? No, you don't want to no do way. that. Yeah. They went there because they didn't want to deal with you, right? So why send an annoying salesperson? I'm not calling my salespeople annoying, maybe. Uh, 
Why are you sending an annoying salesperson down there to harass somebody that got into a house by themselves? That's the point of doing it. But then you follow that up with your online salesperson to say, hey, how was your visit? You have any questions? Can we answer anything for you? Do you want to set up a VIP meeting with the on-site salesperson to help you better understand or any questions that you may have? It's a game changer for us. I love that. And I, I think one of the things we've been talking a lot about this here is how to make the consumer experience more frictionless, right? Those are the companies that are winning. You mentioned Amazon, you know, but how do you remove friction from that buying process and just look at self-checkout when you go to the grocery store, like everyone wants to go through the self-checkout and do it themselves. They don't want to talk to somebody or they don't want to wait. They feel like they're faster or whatever reason it is. Yeah. The same thing with buying a home. Like I just want to go and look around and see if this is a good fit without having to answer a bunch of these questions that I'm not really ready to answer. And so, yeah, I love that. That's great technology. And it, it removes some friction for the consumer. It makes it easier, right? Better you know, there's, there's, a, there's a home builder, and I'm trying to, trying to think of what their name is. They're, they're on the East Coast. They're in Nashville. It's gonna drive, I'm going to think of it as soon as, as soon as we're done here. But they're taking this a step further that you have unassisted entry. And then when you enter, there's a robot on an, on an iPad. This is for real. Like I, when I, I believe you. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was a joke. Right. And I was like, there's no way somebody's actually doing this. I was like, this is stiff. I keep waiting for like the ha ha, but it's, it's like a segue with a little stick on it with a person. And so the online sales team is greeting the buyer as they come in and it's supposed to be like me. Right. And for real. And they're following them along. You think, well, what the heck do they do when they hit the stairs? That thing can't go up the stairs. Oh, here's what's genius. They have a second one upstairs waiting for you when you get upstairs. Oh, my gosh. At first, people were a little creeped out by it, but then they really got to enjoy it because they still had the opportunity to to interact with a person. But mm-hmm. They were constantly being harassed. Now you think, okay, how easy is it for somebody to steal one of those things? The bases on those things are like 50 pounds. You're not really running away with it, nor what are you really going to do with it? Yeah, not super helpful. <laughs> yeah, but it's the, where, where the technology is taking us on that is just absolutely fascinating. That's awesome. Yeah. The, the second thing that I, that I totally geek out about is how do we communicate with our buyers? And I've spoken at the International Builder Show about this, uh, SEBC, a few other places as well. And that is the use of text messaging to communicate with buyers. And the program that we use was Atlas RTX. And Atlas RTX, we were one of the initial five home builders on this program. And long story short, it is communicating with the prospect via text messaging. So right now, if you're my salesperson and you had a prospect enter your door, you could have really phenomenal um, rapport with the buyer. And that buyer leaves. And as the sales manager, I call you up and I say, hey, you got anything solid work? And you say, yes, I just had this phenomenal up come through my door. Uh, They're at 10. They're going to buy this weekend. This weekend comes and goes. And I say, hey, what happened to your guaranteed sale that you told me about? You're like, I don't know. I'm following up. They're not returning my phone calls, nothing. So what happens is that a salesperson follows up and they just don't hear anything from a prospect because although they may have had a good rapport, they didn't truly find out everything in the situation or what was technically in the buyer's mind. So with Atlas RTX, you get a third party text message uh, that says um, on behalf of Trendmaker Homes on a scale of one to 10, 10 being the highest, how would you rate your level of interest in the home or community you just visited? Okay. So you get a text message, right? So we know for a fact that only 
14% of emails are ever actually opened or responded to. People answer the phone less than 5% of the time. I think people forget that our phones actually make phone calls. Yeah, I try not to use it. Yeah. Right? I mean, I don't either. I mean, I get it. you're, you're going to call me. I'm like, shoot me a text message. I'm in a meeting, right? Or whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, yeah. And sorry to cut you off there, but that's the thing that I always think is interesting is think about how you personally like to interact with other companies. And you're like, oh, it would be so much easier if they texted me. But then it's almost like we're afraid to do that, you know, yeah. for somebody else. We're like, no, I'll call yeah. them. But that's definitely Yeah. Well, you know, one, one thing that you have to be careful about, right? Because there are laws in place. Sure. Um, you know, the, the Telephone Consumer Protection Act actually states that you have to have written permission to text somebody. So that is generally a question that a lot of homeowners ask is, you know, how do you avoid a situation? Well, you avoid a situation by making sure that you have consent from the prospect before you text. It's not a verbal consent. It's either an, an agreement on your iPad registration, your website, whatever it may be. You have some sort of written authorization, right? So, but 98% of text messages that you get are read within two minutes. That's incredible. That's amazing. Yeah. So we've been using this product, right? And, and so we send, you, we send the prospect a text message and they say, oh, I'm a four. Well, the machine learning tool knows a four is not good, right? Four out of 10 is not a positive. And it says, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Can you tell me why you feel that way? Um, truth be told, the, the homes were too expensive. Uh, love Spencer, love the, love the builder, loved everything about it. I just can't afford it. Now, the prospect will answer truthfully to a machine, to a chat bot. They're not going to tell you that they're too embarrassed in person that they built a really great relationship that says, I can't afford this. Mm-hmm. It's just a completely different way of communicating with the buyer. Ultimately, what you said, we're communicating the way we want to be communicated to. I get you know, several hundred text messages a day. I'll respond to those all day long. I get to my emails at nine o'clock at night after I put my little one to bed, right? And then I'm emailing from like nine to midnight, but I get a text message, I'm responding immediately. And so that's what we're doing. So those two programs there, what's really cool is that we tied everything together. One of the things that made Dunhill, Nathan Carlisle very attractive to the TriPoint group is that we utilize technology and we utilize it really well. And so a prospect comes into our home via internet. That lead filters automatically into Lasso, which was our CRM. Inside of that CRM system, Atlas had built an integration tool with them that 45 minutes, because you can time date it, 45 minutes after they signed in, they would get a text message. Based upon that response, that text message went into the history of the CRM. I mean, it's so seamless today, and we were crushing the competition in regards to gathering data and selling homes because I no longer was relying upon my salesperson's intuition to give my prospect ranking the prospect was telling me their level of interest, good or bad. Like, I don't want to harass you if you're a two. I don't really want to harass you if you're anything under a seven. Right. Right? Let's go ahead and move on. And let's focus on the eight, nines, and tens that are going to be buying, you know, soon. Yeah, I love that. That's awesome. And those are two great examples. And um, like you said, it's not super hard to implement a lot of this stuff. It's just a matter of taking a few steps and putting it in place. And yeah, um, yeah, I can I can definitely see how that again, that one removes some friction, right? The, the mm-hmm. friction is having to tell somebody in person, oh, yeah, we're not really interested. Like nobody really wants to say that to somebody, even though the salesperson would rather just hear that so they can. Yeah. But yeah, we never want to hurt somebody's feelings or anything. So. <laughs> we'll, hurt, uh, we'll hurt a chatbot's feelings all day long. We don't want to. Really, it's just a robot. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, just a robot. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. 
Well, let's shift gears a little bit. I want to actually talk about personal branding because I know that's something that uh, you think about actively. I know you're very active uh, at events online and that sort of thing. But um, I guess, why do you feel like personal branding is important? But then also, like, how does that relationship work, you know, between individuals within a company, but then at the company brand level? Mm-hmm. Awesome question. <laughs> um, because, and it's it's really a two-part question. And um, why it's a why it's a two-part question or two-answer question for me is you look at it from when my company was privately held to now my company is publicly held. And let me let me answer it first from the public from the private side. Sure. I started Dunhill and Nathan Carlisle Homes. We are a small home builder in Dallas Fort Worth who is the the fastest growing or the largest market in the country, right? 35,000 permits alone. So when you're trying to make a name for your organization, when nobody knows who you are, you have to have somebody stand up and be the voice of that organization. So if you ask my mom, what's funny about the fact that I do public speaking and podcasts and whatever it may be, I was the shy kid all the way up until college. Like I, I was nice to everybody. Yeah, you too. Absolutely. Yeah. I was nice to everybody, but I didn't, I wasn't the one who was volunteering to speak in front of anybody. Um, I would rather not. I mean, I don't even like celebrating my birthday because I don't want the attention on me, which is kind of interesting because I'll go speak in front of several hundred people. Sure, yeah. <laughs> but don't celebrate my birthday because it stresses me out that everybody's looking at me. Yeah. <laughs> um, from a personal brand standpoint, I mean, I have many friends in the industry similar to you, and one of them that speaks on branding so powerfully is Will Duderstadt. Mm, yeah. And Will is very big on your personal brand. Well, and I got this from Will, and I, I absolutely, and I talk to Will almost on a daily basis. And you have a beard too, so right, so you could totally feel this. But Will has this, you know. I don't he's got a real beard though. This he's is got a, a little. Yeah, he's got a beautiful beard, right? I mean, it's big and it's red. So you know, he he's a good branding example, and he's a really great example of somebody who's an extremely high executive at MI Homes, a publicly traded home builder, um, but yet still has a really powerful individual brand. And so I've listened to many of his speeches and I get to travel around with him quite a bit and we speak together quite often and I get to hear it. And so, you know, as we, we talk about hairlines, right? Mine, it just goes one direction and it's up. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so my dad, my dad was like, you have the dumbest hairdo I've ever seen. And he's like, why do you do that? My mom hates it. And and I was like, you know, people, as dumb as it may be, I don't think it's dumb, by the way. I think, I think it's all right. I mean, every toddler has the same, you know, four-year-old toddler boy has totally, yeah. Uh, or boy band from the 90s, right? So I'm a little out of date. You're in good company, you know? <laughs> I'm in good company. But I get recognized for speaking. They were like, oh, I don't know your name, but I, I recognize your hair. And so I did a podcast with a good friend of mine, Chad Sanchegrand. And uh, about a week before, he, he was doing a podcast with a gentleman who owned Infinity Pins, P-I-N-S, and they were talking about personal branding. And he said, wouldn't it be funny if somebody put their face on a business card coin? But they're like, it's got to be like a face that people would like recognize, or they got to have a feature that people recognize. So I was like, I got a dumb hairdo, so I can totally email, uh, email Steve over there and Chad and say, okay, I'm in. Let me create this, this business card coin. So I'm going to show you. I don't know if you can, you can see it here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So you can see my faux hawk on that thing, right? Now, here's the thing. Like, it's a legit coin. It's got my company yeah. back. It's got my phone number. Um, they're $3 a piece. And it's not like you hand these out to everybody. 
and you can't hand it out to a stranger because they're going to think you're the biggest dork in the world. You have to have like a relationship, right? When you say, hey, I'm going to give you something. I get so many text messages of my coin from people from all over the country saying, your dang coin is like a fidget spinner to me. It's all, I'm always, it's, I'm always holding, I'm playing with it. It's in my drawer. I don't ever throw it away. So that's part of a personal brand. So my hair, someday I'm going to, it's either going to fall out or I'm going to have to get a new one because you can only get yourself so long. <laughs> I'm going to have to come up with a different brand. Yeah. Brands you know, evolve, you know, you'll, you'll be fine. Yeah. I'll, I'll evolve, right? So that's kind of been, kind of been my brand. And then when I speak publicly, I'm always wearing a vest, right? I'm always wearing a vest and a tie. So a brand can be whatever people recognize you with. Um, but it was really designed or created a brand off of the fact that my company didn't have an identity and I needed to be the voice of the company. And then I have a really dear friend of mine too. Her name's Ingrid Prince. And Ingrid is one of the most phenomenal online salespeople in the entire country. Not only did we brand myself, but we branded her. And we branded her with hashtag Ask Ingrid. And she's one of the experts across the United States for online sales. And she does a ton of public speaking and podcasts, whatever it may be. And so she has her brand too. So it's, it's finding something, attaching yourself to it and running with it. Now flip that to now being a part of a publicly held company. Luckily, I work for a really phenomenal publicly held company that they're okay with personal branding because they see that the personal branding aids in the recognition of the brand. So for instance, um, I spoke at Southeast Builder Conference in Florida. We're owned by the TriPoint Group. We don't have any business at all in Florida. But Doug Bauer, the CEO of the company, happened to be in town the week before. And he was like, How's your, what's your week look like next week? You doing anything fun? And I said, oh, I'm speaking at SEBC. And he's like, what is that? And I said, it's the Southeast Builder Conference. He's like, oh, you know, in Florida. And I said, yeah. And he's like, that's awesome. Way to get your name out in Florida because someday we may be in Florida. Right. People know your name in Florida. People can learn your name in the Carolinas or whatever it may be. Um, you know, you, you are one brand. Now, I do know that, I don't want to say all, but a lot of publicly traded companies don't want to have individual people stand out like what I'm doing. Um, luckily for me, the organization knows that I'm not going to be speaking anything negatively upon them because I think the world of them that it's all positive. Yeah. Positive. That's super cool. Yeah. And I think it's uh, with branding, you've got a little bit more of that long-term play that you're thinking about. But I also think from the personal branding side, that can be accelerated because people connect with people a lot easier than we connect with, you know, uh, you know, a company brand or an ideal or something like that. So I think in some ways, you know, it kind of accelerates that a little bit and then they draw the connection between who you are and who you work for and and what Mm -hmm. they're doing. So yeah, that's super cool. I'm kind of interested to hear your thoughts around. So you said kind of have something distinct about you, whether, you know, it's the hair or what you wear when you speak or the hashtag example. Um, but I guess in thinking about getting out there and kind of embracing whatever that is, like, what are you doing to, you know, get in front of people? Is it things online? Is it events? Is it a combination of everything? And do you strategically say like, hey, I'm trying to put in X hours a week on these types of things because I know they impact my personal brand, or is it just kind of a mentality that that you have? Or yeah, well, I mean, you, you're a prime example, right? And so I, I see this. Our our industry is huge. Home building is a huge industry, but there's very few people that are always speaking, right? I mean, once you, it's almost like once you figure it out, once you get into the mix, um, the group is pretty small. And so the opportunity to influence is huge. And 
if you get the opportunity to speak publicly in front of people and get a pretty good rating, which the International Builder Show gives you a rating, I've been very fortunate to have a high rating, you get asked to come back time and time again. So you get the opportunity to, to get the messaging out there. In regards to how often I spend on that, I don't go into any given week thinking, oh, I need to spend two hours on personal branding or I need to post 10 times on LinkedIn or whatever it is. I actually, the only social media I have is LinkedIn. Um, and, and going back to my good friend, Will Duderstadt on this, um, you know, I got to meet Will at the Builder Show five years ago. Will loves Twitter. I can't. Yeah stand Twitter. Me yeah. Yeah, I just don't get it in, in home building application. I don't get it, but Will gets it and he, and he does it right. Um, but he's owned Twitter. And so he made a comment one time. He's like, you know, you got to own something. Well, I don't do Facebook. Um, I don't do Instagram. I don't do Pinterest on anything like that. I had a LinkedIn account and I was on there and I'm, I'm always on there. And so I said, okay, well, let's just start posting some things to LinkedIn. There wasn't really any particular person from home building that kind of owned the LinkedIn space. And I, by all means, don't own the space. Um, but what I'm very lucky and fortunate to have is I have a lot of connections on there. I think it's around 6,000 connections. And I'm very free with my likes, meaning I'll go on LinkedIn, you know, spend 10 minutes to decompress whatever it is, and I'll go catch up on what's going on and, and share my likes freely. But what that does is, and I'll comment, that's also getting me likes in return. I actually got contacted by another public speaker that's in home building and said, hey, you know, I'm seeing your posts get like 20,000 views and you're getting several hundred likes and, you know, a couple hundred comments. Like, are you paying for it? Like, is there a company that you're getting that you're paying for these? And I was like, I didn't even know that was a thing. I said, no, I'm not paying for them. And he, and he was like, well, what's the secret to getting the engagement? And I'm like, I don't know if there is a secret. I guess I don't, I don't post too frequently. And I usually post something that means something to me. Mm -hmm. If you were to do something, I consider you to be a friend. If you were to do something that I just thought was totally awesome, I'm going to support you. My good friend, Chad Sanchagran, who is uh, from the Cannonball mind, uh, Mindset, he runs a podcast, right? Chad is attempting to be one of a thousand Americans to ever run the six world majors in marathons. He's happy. Wow year now what's cool about this chad is almost seven feet tall so he does not have the body type to be out there running four hour and 20 minute marathons but he's doing it so i'm passionate about the fact that he's doing that because i'm a runner myself i run marathons um and so i'm loving that whether it's you know you're doing something uh anya Constantin's doing something uh quint lears is doing i mean you name it the the list of people who are doing great things in our industry I just like it and love it and, and share that amongst my friends. And when I'm making those friends in the industry, I'm talking to them all the time. And it's, it's not phone calls, right? Nobody calls yeah. them anymore. It's a text message saying, Hey, I was just thinking about you, or I heard you on this podcast. It was awesome. Or, Hey, this is a cool article I saw. And it's just staying up to date with them, but it's, it's genuine, right? It's, I genuinely love the people in this industry. And I love the people that I'm friends with. Um, you know, I don't, I don't, quote unquote, say I have a lot of friends here in Dallas, Fort Worth. I love going to all these events because all of my friends are at those events too. Sure. We're industry friends, but we become personal friends as well. But the friendship is genuine. I care about all of those people. I want them to succeed. So really when building a brand, as long as you're, you know, to get followers or to follow somebody, as long as you're genuine about it, it's, it's going to work. Yeah, oh, I think that's that's great advice. And I think it, maybe if you could boil it down to a couple of steps for somebody that's thinking about getting started, just 
thinking about their personal brand and going acknowledging that they they have one and yeah. they're just not out there or they're not actively you know being intentional about it what would be you know one two or three quick steps to just say hey these are some things that would help you kind of get off on the right foot yeah so actually i got a prime example for you so i have a, i have a friend of mine who i actually found on linkedin just so happens that he lives like two miles from me <laughs> crazy the world this is so i kept seeing this guy pop up on linkedin and his name is justin reynolds and I'm like, okay, this guy posts some really cool stuff. He's a dad. Um, he is in home building. He, he's a workout freak. Now, like I run, but I, he like this guy lifts. But he posts really cool, genuine stuff. Mm-hmm. I sent him a message. I didn't know he lived two miles from me. I sent him a message. Hey, really like what you're doing. And he's like, I'm actually doing it because I saw you doing it on LinkedIn. And That's he goes, cool. it worked for you because I saw you doing speaking gigs and podcasts, whatever. I would like to do the same thing. And I said, well, keep doing it because you're crushing it. And him and I text all the time now, right? He's just a good person. So I think what it is, if if I was going to say step number one, um, it would be to find somebody in the industry that you admire um, or uh, that you just think very highly of and reach out to them. I was very, very blessed eight years ago to meet Matt Riley and to latch on to Matt. And Matt was a nice enough guy to literally spend hours with me uh, via Skype back then on how to build my brand, uh, both personally and through my company. If it wasn't for Matt, you wouldn't be talking to me today. Now, there's been people along the way that have helped me with that too. Mike Lyon, Kevin Oakley, Jeff Shore is a close personal friend of mine. Ralph Williams is a close personal friend of mine. Uh, Marsu, Kimberly Mackey, Will Dudersap. I mean, the list can go on and on, but it started with one connection. It started with Matt, and then Matt knew everybody else. And because Matt and I built a genuine friendship, he wanted me to meet other of his friends, right? If I was a complete jerk to Matt, Matt wouldn't, Matt wouldn't have been nice to me, right? And so this connection was made from there. It's recognized the fact that you are an expert in something. Everybody is an expert in something. You're an expert in a lot of things, right? You're a very talented man. Um, my marketing girls are experts in something. I could be considered an expert in the text messaging and internet or whatever it may be, right? Um, but find that one thing that you love doing and, and make sure that the world knows you love doing it. In regards to getting an opportunity to public speak, my good friend, this is, this is a funny one, my good friend Chad Sanchegran uh, last year completely blasted uh, the, um, the eight, you know, the, um, I totally lost the name of it, but, but the, the, the selection committee for IBS, right? Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. He pretty much came on and he's like, this is crap. And he, made, he did this on social media. He's like, this is crap. For the fifth year in a row, I got my rejection letter from the International Builder Show not letting me speak. Screw this. Screw you. I mean, he pretty much went out there like one on it. Yeah. <laughs> he just went for it. Then I was like, holy crap. And I had just got done speaking at the Builder Show and I actually got notification that I was going to be speaking three times last year, which I felt very, very blessed. That's awesome. Yeah. Out to Chad and I was like, dude, Dude, one, you may have just completely shot yourself for this, but we have mutual friends. I hear nothing but great things about you. Stop trying to do it on your own and team up with somebody. Mm-hmm. I got my first opportunity to speak at the International Builder Show because Ralph Williams with Sales Solves Everything was such a good guy. And he was like, hey, you're doing some cool stuff in Dallas. How about we put you on the stage with me at the Builder Show? Just so happened, got a really good ranking, which then the next year I got a session and two others, right? So I told Chad, I was like, stop trying to be a hero, dude, on your own, tag up with somebody. 
So this started building a relationship with Chad and I, and then a good friend of mine is Rhonda Conger. And so this year we teamed up and we said, okay, our number one goal is to get Chad to speak at the International Builder <laughs> and we got accepted, right? That's awesome. Chad jokes that, um, you know, he couldn't have done it alone. He had to tag on with Rhonda and myself. Now, let's be real. I look at this and I'm like, Chad is an international speaker. He's way better than I am. Rhonda, I don't know if you know Rhonda, she's like superwoman totally in love with this lady. She's amazing, written four books, just incredible. Like, and then there's me. And I'm like, I really have nothing to share with these people. And we're speaking <laughs> with a really nice gal named Elisa Titus. And she's with Shell Brothers Homes. And she's just on another level herself. So once you get in, just don't screw it up, right? Like it's, if, as long as you get a decent ranking or a decent grade on your international builder show, you're going to get the opportunity. But I've seen you at, I've seen you at these shows, right? You're out there talking to everybody. You're making the connections. You're making yourself known. Same with Anya Constantin, same with Quint Lears, right? There's these people that are making these connections and they're taking these opportunities. Anya speaking at the International Builder Show, her first attempt, Quint speaking again. I mean, there's so many of these examples of, of people that just went out there and just did it. It just takes the guts to do it. It's really what it is. No, that's, that's great advice. And I think it's super helpful for people that maybe just haven't thought about it and just taking, taking those first steps and, you know, not being afraid to ask for help too. And teaming yeah. up with people like, you know, we all want to do things ourselves, but the, at the end of the day, wherever you're going, like you had help somewhere along the way, somebody mm -hmm. that supported you and, and that's good, right? We're all on this. Yeah. Together, so uh, I think that's great. Hey guys, just a quick announcement before we get to the rest of today's episode. We've been getting a ton of feedback on our Done For You social media program. Now, if social media has been a frustration of yours or you feel like you're not posting enough, this is the perfect solution for you. And as a listener of the podcast, we've got a special promotion going on right now. So just head over to remodelersocialmedia.com and use the code radio at the checkout. So if you want to get more engagement and more people finding you on platforms like Facebook and Instagram, hit pause really quick and check out remodelersocialmedia.com and use the code radio at checkout. All right, back to the show. So I want to shift gears again and talk a little okay. bit about culture. Sure. Uh, I know uh, that's super important to you, but it's also extremely powerful for companies if they can get that piece right. And you said you've had pretty low or almost no turnover in, in maybe seven years or something yeah. like that. So I guess, how do you think about culture? And if you had to boil it down to a few things that you think has resulted in almost no turnover, you know, what do you yeah. think those would be? I love this topic. And it's Rhonda, <laughs> Chad, and today. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's actually what Rhonda, Chad, and Lisa and I are, we're all, all four of us are talking about uh, the seven winning components of creating an amazing company culture. Oh, that's awesome. All seven, because nobody's going to show up to our international builder show, but we're working on it. But we're so passionate. All four of us are so passionate about culture. But I would put it down to this one single thing. My first meeting of my sales team at Dunhill seven and a half years ago, I walked into that sales meeting and I wanted everybody there to know that it was my job to make their life easier and better and to enjoy more opportunities in their life than they've ever had before. If your team truly knows that your number one job is to support them, to take care of them, to love them, to nurture them, to not fire them on any opportunity you can get, you're going to win a loyalty on your team that is second to none. It is it is amazing. And so I went into there with that mentality. I said, okay, I'm a first-time vice president of sales and marketing, age 31. 
almost everybody at that table was older than me. What can I do to have them believe in me? And I thought to myself, what would I want to hear from a sales manager, a leader that came into the first time? How would I want them to approach the situation? So that's what I did. So I just made sure that they understood that I'm on their team. I am, I work for them. Now you fast forward that seven and a half years, I've taken a, a, a similar approach, but what I do is I don't hire people with experience. What I do is I find those unique opportunities out there, uh, whether it's somebody going through a divorce or um, whatever unique opportunity would be where they're really hungry for an opportunity. And I know that I can change their world and change their life. You can make a lot of money selling new homes, but getting in to sell new homes is oftentimes the difficult task. So if I'm giving these people an opportunity to completely change their life and I'm going to train them, educate them, love them and support them in every possible way. And I know that my average salesperson almost, almost makes $200,000 a year. When my average salesperson, when I found them made under 50, I'm going to change their life. And so they know that I'm going to change it, but I'm not just going to be the person that's forcing sales down their throats, forcing, you know, conversion, conversion, conversion. But I'm the person that's going to say, Hey, when you're struggling, I'm not looking at the five P's and they're literally on my wall right now. The first one I'm not looking at is people. I'm not assuming that you're the problem. I'm assuming that you're the last problem. Let's fix everything else first. And I have example after example of situations that have happened on my team where they've needed me as a friend and as a family member before they needed me as their manager. And when you go into it with that mentality and you truly love your people, you're not losing your people. Very, very rarely. And the people I've lost, they generally come back. Um, and the relationship is there, right? I mean, I, I did recently lose a salesperson of mine. I lost him to a competitor that was building significantly cheaper homes and promised him 25 spec homes at a time and he's going to make 500000 a year. Okay? That's tough to compete with. But when he left, he wrote me the most amazing card and he said, I appreciate your friendship more than anything. He's going to be back. I didn't say bye. I said, I'll see you later because he will work for me again. I didn't have a community that fit what he, what he needed for his family at this time. That doesn't mean he's a bad guy. That doesn't mean I'm a bad guy. That just means that we're going to take a pause and I'm going to go get him later. And that's really the mentality that I've had is the people that have left, they generally come back. Um, but it is, it is loving them for who they are. That to me is what culture means. That's so cool. That's awesome. I, I love that answer. And I'm glad you didn't mention ping pong tables anywhere in that. <laughs> we don't have a ping pong table here. <laughs> no, that's, that's so cool. I was just taking that all in and reflecting on it. But yeah, I mean, when you're there to support them, and they know that you've got their back, I mean, that means the world to them. And yeah. they they feel comfortable, like pushing forward and not making, not worrying about making mistakes every once in a while, because you know, then you're just going to work through them and, and keep yeah. going. And, um, yeah, it's all about getting to that end goal. And uh, I love the part you said, just recognizing that, hey, we're going to assume that you're like, we're going to put you being the problem at the bottom of the list. And let's, let's look at everything else and make sure you've yeah. got all the resources, you've got the training, like I've done everything I can to make you successful. Um, mm -hmm. That's so cool. Um, yeah. We're getting down to the wire here. But I know there's something that else that you kind of wanted to, to talk about. And I think it would be good to introduce it. And that was the topic of self reflection. And so uh, yeah, um, what's that all about? I'll kind of just open the floor to you on that one. Uh, yeah, no, what a 
and I'll do this without crying because I'm uh, if, if you if you follow me on LinkedIn or if you see my my sales meetings or rallies uh, generally have a fun component. But as much as they are fun, they're generally emotional, too. Um, so Denise Dearson with uh, Professional Builder Magazine reached out to me and she's an amazing woman herself. And she, you know, Professional Builder Magazine is in charge of the 40 under 40, 40 under 40 for, for the magazine itself. So I was very, very fortunate um, two years ago to be a 40 under 40 award recipient. And so last year she reached out to me and said, hey, um, would really love it if you would speak to this year's 40 under 40. Now I looked back on that in the year prior, Rhonda Conger spoke, who is a phenomenal speaker, and Elena Money spoke, who she's a phenomenal speaker. And I'm like, those two ladies impacted my life that day when they spoke. How can I speak in front of these you know, there's 40 winners plus family or whatever. How can I speak in front of a hundred plus people, not on technology <laughs> or life in a positive way? And so what I did is I reached out to all 40 winners to their significant others. And I said, Hey, I want, I want you to shoot a 15 to 30 second video clip on your smartphone about what your significant other means to you, like thanking them for what they do. So what I did is I took these clips and I put them in, you know, five to six clips at a time increments and I started speaking on self-reflection. Now for me, everybody, there's a saying that I, that I really tag this to. Everybody goes through crap. Everybody has crap in their life. Um, it's actually the S word, but I'm not going to say it in your podcast, right? We all have it, right? So be nice to people. That was the basis behind the self-reflection is we all have crap, be kind. And what that is, is that my scenario growing up is, you know, we didn't grow up a family with means, but we had no, my sister and I had no idea that we didn't have means, right? We had the most amazing family ever, a very supportive family. And although my career is where it is now, it took me 16 years to get here. There have been a lot of hiccups on the way. Um, and taking the opportunity to self-reflect on the good times and the bad times will really mark you as who you are today, um, as a, you know, as a spouse, as a, as a father, as a coworker, as a boyfriend, a girlfriend, uh, you name it, right? Whatever you're doing in life, um, affects how you are amongst the people in your, in your organization, and so we would do a quick couple of slides and I would talk about, you know, self-reflection or my story or my journey. Then I would show the video clips of the family and everybody started crying. And then I would speak again and everybody would start crying. And it was, it was a very powerful and emotional, you know, hour long speaking opportunity that I had that allowed me to share who I was as a person, because there's a lot more than just the stupid hairdo. Uh, that is that is behind how I act and how I operate as a person. Uh, but I also connected the families to the winner so that they could see that what we do every day, how much we struggle, how much time we put in has a positive impact on the people that love us the most. And so that was the message. And if you're not taking the opportunity to self-reflect at all times, you're really missing out. And really, you know, we're shooting this the, the first first part of October. I had a pretty rough September. Um, it was pretty, pretty rough for me. And my attitude was not necessarily the greatest. Now I have the most amazing team behind me and they were like, you got to get your stuff right. Like what something's going on with you. You need to get your mind right. And my marketing girl, Lindsay put me onto this book about happiness. 
And so I started reading this book about happiness. And then she also put me on another book by David Goggins, which is all about mental, mental strength, right? And so I'm a runner, but I haven't ran. I ran three marathons in 2018. I hadn't ran all year in 2019. I took a break. I was just tired. I was burned out. And this book was all about mental strength. And, and again, I was in a bad place in September, just not, just not, not feeling on a lot of levels. And so I went and I, I had signed up in January for this half marathon in Plano and they mailed me this packet and it's sitting there. And I'm like, I literally have ran one time for three miles in the entire 2019 year. And I said, you know what? Screw it. I need this for myself. I need, I need to self-reflect on what's going on in my life and I'm going to get out there and I'm going to run. And as weird as it is, David Goggins was a Navy SEAL. He was an Army Ranger. He was all these things. If you get an opportunity, the book is phenomenal. The, the audio book is incredible. Uh, it's about mental tough, mental strength. And I put this on my LinkedIn and call it fate, call it God, whatever it may be. There was a Marine in front of me. His shirt said, win the mental game. And that guy ran in front of me for eight miles. And if it wasn't been for that man running in front of me, and now eight miles he took off and then like mile nine through <laughs> horrible, but I finished, but it was, I literally ran behind this man. And I, I don't know if his cadence was the same as my cadence or just mentally, I just got in the groove of following him, but his shirt was there and his, you know, when the mental game affected me, it allowed me to finish. I finished a half marathon and did no training, which you shouldn't do. It's really dumb. Um, but I got to work on Monday afterwards and like the girls yesterday were like, something happened. You've changed, you're back to who you were. And I said, you know what? I had to get my mind right. I had to self-reflect on what was going on, uh, good and bad, so I could move forward. So because I have an impact of 24 direct reports, my negative attitude or how I was perceiving whatever was going on was affecting their performance. I really do believe our crap first three weeks of September had to do with my attitude and my mental state. And I turned it around that last week and we sold 13 homes in the last week of the month and we completely saved our month, but it's mental and it's back to self-reflection. And, you know, that's why it's a huge topic for me. There's so many different places you can take that, but it all comes down to the fact that we all have stuff going on in our lives. Remember that you don't know what that stuff may be. So be kind to that person because they could really need a friend. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's awesome. And, uh, yeah, I think it's good advice because we all have our highs and lows. And during those lows, you know, the the idea is like, let's see how quick we can get out of them. But you usually need to fix things unrelated to what is causing the lows. So in your case, yeah. it's like, hey, let me get out there and run and, you know, get some exercise going, yeah. you know, and uh, and thinking about the mental part of it, too, you know, that mental toughness. And the other piece of it I really like. So if you're you're talking about Goggins, but there's another book uh, we just are reading right now um, by Jocko Willink and Leif uh, Babin, Extreme Ownership. Yeah. You did that. You said, hey, our bad month for three three weeks was my fault, you know, because it was impacting the rest of the team. And yeah. I think uh, that's another good takeaway from that story there, too. Which is well, and if you, if you get the opportunity to listen to that book, he's got like the coolest voice in the entire world. Yeah. <laughs> And what's crazy about that is that our division president, when we got acquired, is a, still an active Navy SEAL. He's a rear admiral uh, in the Navy, and he actually knows Jocko. So it was funny. Oh, that's cool. Lee, listening to that book, he was like, he's like, I can't believe you're listening to him. And, you know, he's like, he's really done well for himself. And you can tell he's had coaching. And, you know, he's really learned to 
harness his his strength and it's an awesome book you're right loved it yeah, yeah. very cool well hey chris uh, i've got one last little segment of the show that we'll run through but before we get to that uh how can people connect with you or, or learn more about you and uh yeah. Yeah, find you online that sort of thing LinkedIn is the only place you'll find me. I uh, thought you might say that. <laughs> yeah, I don't have any issue sharing my phone number, which is 913-982-6589. I get text messages from all over the country. Yeah, don't call me, just text me. Yeah. We can set up a phone call from your text message. Um, but those are really the two places. Uh, and then if you need my email, shoot me a text, I'll get it to you from there. But I love I love speaking to people from all over the country. The way I look at it is that if it wasn't for Matt Riley, I wouldn't be here today. Matt was very kind to me and, and helped me get to where I'm at. It is my duty and my responsibility to pay it forward. And so I talk to people all the time about what made my company successful and I don't charge you for it. So, you know, we can have a conversation. Cool. Cool. Well, that's very generous and, and very awesome. So hopefully you'll, you'll get a few more texts uh, after this episode airs, but uh, let's move to our last section here. We call it the okay. fast five, okay. five questions. Uh, they're meant to be a little more rapid fire. And uh, we were just talking books, and that's the first question, which is, what is your favorite business book and why? Uh, Good to Great is my favorite, and it's, it's actually on my bookshelf right now. And just a huge fan of that. I read that in 2004, uh, and it was a great management tool for me. Very cool. Yeah, classic. Uh, yep. That's a good one. All right, who is the most uh, inspirational person in your life? Uh, my parents, by far. By far. Awesome. All right, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? you know, I don't sleep a lot now. I only, I only average about sleeping four hours a night. I would say not to require sleep because I think you can accomplish so much in a day. So if I could have a superpower be, I never needed sleep or never got tired. Dang. That's a good one. I haven't heard that one before. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Utilize all 24 hours. Yeah. It'd be amazing. Yeah. All right. Describe yourself in three words. Uh, fun, loving, energetic. And then we'll wrap it up. If you could leave our listeners with one piece of advice, what would that be? Uh, so I have a favorite saying, it's be the difference that is the difference. I like it. For sayings, yeah. Cool. Well, Chris, this was awesome. Thank you so much for joining me today. No, I really appreciate it very much. And best of luck to you on everything. And I'll see you real soon. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Chris. Thanks. Hey, guys, I hope you enjoyed that episode with Chris Hartley. Uh, again, we, we covered a wide range of topics but I wanna pull out some takeaways for you. I know you're on the go, you're at the gym, you're driving from job site to job site. And so let's pull out a couple of things that we can take away and implement you know, right away, at least this week, this month. And so uh, for me, one of them fell on the technology side. So there are a couple of things there that Chris talked about, especially uh, utilizing text in your sales process. And whether you're a builder or a modeler, um, contractor, I think the message was clear hey, people prefer text and they open text. So even above email, which is a very easy tool to use, not everyone opens and reads email. Still, uh, phone calls we know if it goes to voicemail, like we don't like listening to voicemail. So try integrating text into your sales process. And I think uh, some of it can be automated if you can do that, great. But I think even just the one-to-one -one texting can be a super powerful tool. Now, the second big takeaway for me was starting to think about your personal brand. Now, this is something that I've been focused on and thinking about for the last several years, and it really took some strategic thought. You know, what do I want to do? What kinds of qualities do I want to be sharing? You know, what kinds of information, what types of posts, and then also the platforms. Like Chris said, he just focuses on LinkedIn. 
And that just keeps it simple for him. Um, and he gets to get really good at that platform and understanding how he can interact with people. So I think if you're kind of new into this space and thinking about how do you build your personal brand, you know, start with one platform. You can always add more later. And so think about what are the unique things that you have that maybe make you stand out or that you just want to tie to your personal brand and start putting those out there into the world. And, and like Chris said, just have kind of some guts to start sharing some content. It'll probably feel a little bit weird if you're not a super uh, sharer, so to speak. But I think uh, it's a really powerful tool in terms of your overall marketing, but also your business growth. So again, I hope you guys really enjoyed this episode. Those are two takeaways I think you can put into practice. And we will see you next time on Builder Funnel Radio. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to Builder Funnel Radio. I know there are a lot of podcast choices out there, so it really means a lot to me that you choose this as one you either subscribe or listen to regularly. Now, before we part ways for today, I have a quick favor to ask you. If you got some value out of today's episode, please either leave us a review or share this with a friend. We're really working on building a community of construction professionals that wanna treat their customers right, they wanna run profitable businesses, and create more jobs in our economy. So leaving a review or sharing it with a friend really helps us build that community, and we'd really, really appreciate it. All right, guys, that's all I've got for today. So we'll see you next time on Builder Funnel Radio.